the, in Eastern Asia, and he's going to share some things with you this morning that I'm excited about. Destiny Rescue. Before I share the ministry that Lee and I are involved in, I need to take you guys somewhere in your imaginations. So, Abby, could you stand on that chair in front, please? Just real quick. You can say hi. (laughs) Abby's five years old. Okay, there we are. You got me. Abby's five, and I want you to get a picture of what a five-year-old looks like. And... That's it. Abby, you can get down. Go uh, go to Kid Zone. Thanks, babe. Okay. So before I share about this ministry, it's really important that you try to get into your imagination here with me. I need you to close your eyes. Okay? I'm going to take you through a scenario. And I want you to picture that you're a five-year-old girl. Six-year-old, seven, eight, nine, ten. If you've got somebody in your family who's that old... You know, picture them, okay? You got that picture in your mind? Imagine with me that uh, you're too poor to go to school, okay? And you work in the fields all day to uh, help support your family. Um, You're obviously not an American at this point. You're in Thailand, India, Cambodia, somewhere like that. You get home from working in the fields, and there's a stranger with your mom. And your mom tells you to go with the stranger and do whatever she says. So you do. You hop in a car for the very first time. Um, it's exciting. It's exhilarating. At the, t- at the same time, it's a little scary. Um, and hours later, you finally reach your destination, and it's dark. This lady takes you into a bar, a saloon. Um, when you get there, there's smells you've never smelled before, sounds you've never heard. And people are looking at you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable. This lady takes you upstairs into a room where there's a bed, a mat, and a fan in the ceiling going on. She says, wait here. The next person that comes through this door, you are to do exactly what they tell you to do. So you wait. A few minutes go by, a man comes through the door and locks it behind him. By the time he leaves, your little mind cannot comprehend what just happened to you at five years old, six years old. You're scared, you're crying. And this is going to happen four more times that night. Okay, this is your life now. I need you to picture this. Seven days a week for the rest of your life. This is your life. The only way you're going to escape is if you get too sick to work or you die. If you do, by chance, happen to run away from the prison because you're a slave now, that you're involved in, you will get hunted down. You are out of your element. You are miles from home. You don't even have an identity. You don't even know where to go. That's your life. Think about that. Let that sink in for just a minute. Okay, here's a question. What would you want me to do to get you out of that? 
Okay, what would you want me to do to get you out of that? I think you would want me to do everything I possibly could, everything in my power to rescue you. The fact is, today, three to 5,000 young girls in the ages I've described will experience that scenario for the very first time. Three to 5,000 today. And it will repeat itself tomorrow. Three to 5,000 tomorrow. Okay? I told you that the only way they would get out is if they got too sick to work or they died. But there's another thing that could happen. Somebody could walk through the door and rescue you. All right? You could be sitting there waiting for the next person to rape you. And I could come through the door and say, don't be afraid. I'm here to rescue you. And you could, you, could take my, you could take what I'm offering you and I could take you back to a safe house where there's a bunch of girls your age there and uh, they've been rescued and they have joy and they have happiness. And then as you're staying there and getting healthy, uh, we could share the gospel with you and you'll hear about Jesus for the very first time and you'll come to know the Lord. All right? And then we can teach you a trade and, and uh, show you how to make money so you don't have to live that life. You know? This, what I'm describing to you right now, is the ministry that we're involved in. With these young girls, we go rescue them. We rehabilitate them. And we share the love of Christ with them. And the good news about this is, 100% of the girls that we share Jesus with come to the Lord. That's the statistics. I mean, that's amazing, huh? Yeah. If you can imagine having no hope, uh, you're a piece of meat. Nobody cares about you. You're lost. And somebody comes in and shares love and, and life and freedom. You would accept that too. Like that. You know? And that's what's happening with the ministry we're involved in. Um, it's called Destiny Rescue. It was founded in 2001 out of Australia. And we're just recently, you know, getting going here in the U.S. Um, I want to show a video and I want to tell you guys how you can get involved.
about you? When I picture uh, my daughter, and if somebody was to do that, I don't know what I would do. I would, I would give everything I had to rescue her. I would give my body to be burned just for her. I love her so much. And these little girls on the other side of the planet, I mean, Jesus loves them. And Jesus is in each one of us, and his heart breaks like the song that we sang. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I have for your kingdom's cause, that's the cause right now. I mean, uh, let me read uh, Psalm 82 to you. Psalm 82, verse 3 and 4. Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. This is something I think everybody should get involved in. Um, I'm asking you to, after today, um, to pray and ask the Lord what he would have you to do as far as committing to support one of these girls that have been rescued. It's 30 bucks a month. Um, I mean, and it's not just you. 30 bucks a month is not going to take care of them. Um, we're joining with a bunch of people who are going to support 30 bucks a month for that one individual girl. We, we house them. We protect them. We teach them a trade. We're clothing them, teaching them about the Lord. You know, it's a, it's a worthy cause. And, uh, and, I, and I really want you guys to get involved. We have jewelry in the back that these girls that have been rescued have handmade. And they ship it over to us in America, and we sell it uh, to keep them working. And it's, it's going really good. We got the, uh, the, the uh, Project Christmas Child. If you're looking for stuff to put in your, in your boxes, buy some jewelry from the girls in Thailand, put it in the box, and you're, you're doing kingdom business with your money. It's so important. Um, what keeps me motivated is, uh, is I only have one life. And I only got one shot at what I'm going to do for the kingdom or what I'm going to do for the Lord. I'm saved and going to heaven, but I only got one life to live. And the statement I heard before is we only have one life, and that will soon pass. Only what's done for God will last. You know, we got all this, I hate to say it, we have all this, I'm not talking about physically, but we got all this fat that we need to trim off of our Christian walk so that we can run like we heard two weeks ago, the race with perseverance that, that the Lord has called us to. And I believe... Partnering up with uh, ministries like this and supporting financially and definitely in prayer and going if God has called you to go is, is a worthy cause for your life. I know, I bet everyone in here would do something to save Abigail or somebody you know. And we can't just like discompartmentalate or whatever that they're in Thailand and they don't matter. Because I know that they're scared and their heart breaks and they want somebody to rescue them. They want a hero. I would love to be that hero that just kicks that door down or rips that guy off and saves him. I wish I could do it. But I don't know. I might murder somebody. So maybe the Lord has me here. You know what I'm saying? But that's, that's the heart of God is to defend them. And, uh, and we can do it. I mean, we've got to ask ourselves, why am I here in America? Why do I have so much? Me personally, my belief is so that I could give it. Because I tried to hoard it and it left me empty. So I can't do that. It's so I can be an extension of the hands of Jesus in the other part of the world. Um, the booths in the back, we got so much, so many testimonies, so much going on that I have to, 
that have to dumb down just because it's so horrific what's going on over there. But uh, I just want to encourage you to join with us and buy some jewelry, if anything, in the back. I feel good enough to go home. <laughs> but you know I'm not going to let you get off that easy, am I? You came to hear the word of the Lord, and I want to share a couple stories with you. And I feel very confirmed after sharing it last evening. One of the brothers in the church came up and said, The Lord spoke that exactly to me three weeks ago. You know, and sometimes the Lord speaks to us, and we're not, we just think we're the only ones He's talking to about something. Um, but I thank Him for confirming His Word. Father, this morning I pray that You will direct traffic now on this Word. That You will accomplish what You want to accomplish in us by Your Holy Spirit. I know it takes anointing and revelation to really get to where we need to be. And so I can't do that. I submit to You in the name of Jesus and invite You to have Your way. Use my life as a tool. Spend it upon your glory in Jesus' name.
A few weeks back, I like to sleep. I mean, you like to sleep. <laughs> Sleeping's fun. And uh, what I'm about to tell you, I believe the Bible says I'm qualified because in the book of Joel, there is a verse here that says, uh, in the last days, your young men will dream, or your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And I had a dream. I qualify. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning and I was dreaming. I know that because I got up after the dream and it, it, it awakened me abruptly. In the dream I could see uh, what looked like a, a, a cloud forming and it was sort of fuzzy like a cloud. And, and uh, hang in there with me. I know I'm extra biblical today. I'm outside the Bible. This is my dream, okay? I understand that. But I'm seeing this, and, and now I'm getting closer to it in the dream. I'm, I'm, I'm narrowing the distance between me and it. And as I get closer to it, I can begin to see form and definition. But I can also feel an intense fear and an apprehension about getting any closer to it. And as it began to take shape, I, it, what it looked like was a thicket. Now, I know that last week we preached about running with horsemen and running in the thickets of Jordan. And so that's... That's very appropriate too, but this, it was, uh, uh, man-made though. It wasn't grown in a thicket. It was limbs and, and sticks and branches that had been laid together and woven together as a blockade. And the, the, it was ominous. It felt fearful. And I woke up, and you know, three in the morning, you're not supposed to be done sleeping. But I had that sweaty palms kind of feeling, and I thought, you know, I'm not going back to sleep, am I, Lord? So I got up and went into my other room, and and uh, if you come by sometime, I'll show you my little room. It's a little box where I grew a couple of kids up. Peggy helped me do that, I'm sure. But... <laughs> What I've done is now that they've gone, uh, grown up, have their own families, I, I went and got a four by eight sheet of that whiteboard, and I cut about two and a half feet off, and I mounted it on one wall, and then I took the other big chunk and I put it on this wall so I can write on my walls without getting in trouble. <laughs> and as I sat, I have a chair in there, and I sat, and I was just musing and seeing this, and so I got up and I grabbed the marker. And I began to just sketch out with strokes of the marker on the board this cloudish, stickish looking thing. And then I wrote below it as the Lord began to reveal to me what he was speaking to me. That this thicket was built of lies. Each one of these sticks and pieces of material that had been woven together were lies. And it was a thicket of lies that was put there to cloud and to choke the truth. And as I, you know, the last couple of weeks, I didn't know if it was for me or for us. And then last night, I felt very confirmed that it was for us. And so I share it with you. That means I'm not quite prepared like I generally are. This is a, you know, a little shooting from the hip this morning. And I feel nervous about it because I feel like so much could be at stake for you and for me. As I pondered it, I thought, if I ever preach that message, I'm going to have all the young guys of the church, like these three young men right here, just go out and forest and tear sticks and come in. And I'm going to build one of these things right here 
in the sanctuary. And if I did, it would be about as tall as me, at least one and a half times as wide as me, and it would be thick, and it would be hard to get through. And then I'd put some promise for you behind it and say, let's see you get to the promise that God has for you. When this thing has been constructed between you and what God wants for you, we are prohibited at times from getting to it. Lies and deceit, deception, can often stand between us, and I think is literally standing between us and some of the things God has for us. Turn with me to John chapter 8. I have to tell you, my mind is wrestling right now with itself, and what a match is going on in there. My knees are shaking, and I'm beginning to ask, is it the caffeine, or what? I'm going to go with the or what. Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 37, is talking to the the prideful Jews. And he says to them, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father. Now they're going to preempt even Abraham. We have one father, God. We're going to go higher power now. We're going to one-up on Abraham. And Jesus says to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? And he answers the question, Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. Very clear. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus made it very clear to this group of men. That the devil is a liar. John 10.10, if you turn the page, Jesus says the thief, this same devil, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I, I abbreviate that verse this way for myself. The devil won't even show up on the scene unless there's an opportunity to steal, kill, or destroy. It's his only thing he knows how to do. Lie, cheat, deceive, weave this, this thicket of lies to build a barrier between you and the promises of God. Between me and the promises of God. You know, I can share this confirmation with you personally and 
I'm just trying to be as frank and honest and open as I can be without giving you all the details. But after I ministered this word last night, and I got home, and I mean the devil was on my case. He was setting me up for failure even at midnight. And I had to get up and deal with it. And, and I wish I was smarter. Because <laughs> this morning I know what I should have done. You know, I kind of ditched out at night. And uh, got up this morning and said, Oh, I missed my opportunity. But this morning I'll share with you and let's all go, as a friend of mine used to say, let's all go kick some tail this afternoon. <laughs> it's kind of crude, I know. but So I wrote on this board these verses above this cloud, above this thicket. Hebrews 4.12, Isaiah 11, verse 2, Revelation, oh excuse me, Isaiah 49, verse 2, Revelation 1.16, Revelation 2.12, and Revelation 19.15. And I wrote those over the top of that thicket. Because they say this, the Word of God is alive and quick and powerful. We've been on this message recently. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between joints and marrow and serves between soul and spirit. It's a discerner of the heart. Isaiah passages say that Jesus, Isaiah 11 is prophetic about Jesus. And it says that that and 49 together will tell us that there's a his mouth, and in his mouth there is a sword. We also know that in Ephesians 6, it says that we are to take in the armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God, the Word of Truth. And the three passages in Revelation talk about Jesus the Conqueror, and how that out of his mouth comes the Word of God, a two-edged sword to defeat all of his enemies. He has a name on his thigh and proceeds from his mouth this two-edged sword. And I put that above that and I said, this is the victory. Is the word of God. Truth. Truth is the antidote for deception. We need a good dose of truth. We need to walk in truth. We need to be able to to, uh, see the difference between truth and error. Truth and lies. But if we turn to Genesis chapter 3, and ladies, I hope you don't take this too personally. It starts out saying, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. And the, you know, she she eats. She gives some to Adam. God comes along. They're hiding. And there's a bad joke in here, and I'll go ahead and give it to you because some of you may not know it, and you can use it someday. The 
Lord God calls to Adam in verse 9, where are you? He says, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you shouldn't eat? The man said, the woman you gave me. She gave me to eat and, and I ate. This is the first passage, first, law first mention, passing the buck. Adam? Did you, well, the woman. You gave, the woman you gave me. <laughs> Trying to put it on quick, you know. The sinful man. The sinful man. Not me. Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? What does she do? Well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Ready? Bad joke ending. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way. The serpent deceived me. Now, if I attack Matthew real quick, I say that so I don't frighten him. I say, Matthew, your car parking lot is on fire. Oh my goodness! He might run out and go, oh, and I would laugh. Aha! I fooled him. But he might not fall for it. He didn't. Oh my! It's his response. Deception isn't that quick. Deception is takes some time. This is how I see this. The woman said, the, the serpent deceived me. This may have not have been his first conversation or his first visit. It's the one we have recorded. And you could conclude that it was a one-time event. But I believe deception takes time. It takes time to weave this thicket of lies to where you can't see the truth anymore. And then in that moment, you're more susceptible to, to bite. You're more susceptible to take the lie in and actually follow it. Now, there's an awful lot of applications in this message, and one that I would say quickly is that some of the lies that have been repeated over and over and over in your mind and in your heart, things that have been said to you, damaging things, whether it was from people or employers or relationships or family members, wherever they came from, remember the father of lies is behind all of them. You can't pin it on your uncle or your brother or your cousin or whoever it was that said it. you got to see behind the thicket who's back there formulating these lies against who you are. And those thickets and those lies eventually begin to cloud our mind and choke out truth. I believe we're living in a time when the church needs to really rise up and be the church. I think we need to be the salt and light God called us to be and said that we are. And we're not about to go tell somebody else about what we have if everything we believe is clouded and choked in lies about ourselves. Now, this isn't a self-help message. This is a God-help message. Okay, this, I'm not talking to you about how to fix yourself and how to uh, do things better, how to act better or be better or think better, only in your own strength. I, I want to tell you that the antidote for those lies that are in that thicket woven against you from the enemy to defeat you can only be dismantled by truth. That is the antidote and that is what dismantles it. Uh, For some of us, we may get a revelation and go, Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus! And the whole thing goes at one time. Now that's how I want it for me. 
I like the instant stuff. I don't like delayed gratification. I want to wait. You know? But if it's taking time to weave it, then I may need truth for every limb that's in that thicket. I may need a passage of Scripture for every lie that the enemy has put against me to dismantle it. God doesn't love you. Wait a minute. Let me grab John 3.16 and overlay that. God so loved the world. I'm in the world. God loves me. You're not part of his family. He doesn't really let you in. Wait. Let me go to Romans 8 where it says I've been adopted into the family of God. He calls me his own. I'm his child. I'm taking that stick out too. And eventually I can dismantle these thickets that are wound around my mind and my heart that keep me from obtaining what God has for me. Am I making sense this morning? I know this isn't a jump up and down kind of a scream and yell message. But Psalm 119, 105 still says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In Psalm 130 of that same chapter, 119, it says, The entrance of your word brings light. This cloud is a cloud of darkness. This cloud, this thicket, is a thicket of lies and and half-baked and strenuous deceiving efforts of the enemy to cause you to fail and to not measure up to what God's called you to be. I'm thankful that in Isaiah 55, verse 11, it still says about what God says. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty. But it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I can take this passage and make a foundation out of it. I can build this triangle, if you will, with the point down. And under that point, put this one verse. And I can move out from that verse into the Bible. And I can probably make the entire Bible rest upon that point of Scripture. That everything else God said that's up here in this larger span of the triangle can rest on this one place. That what God says is going to happen. And what God speaks is truth. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. The make you free part of that verse in the Greek literally gives us the picture that the truth comes and acts upon you as though you were in handcuffs. And it comes like with a key and puts it in the lock, turns it and acts upon you and makes you free. I often had a picture in my mind that of being in a cell, which would be very similar to this thicket, and, and being in the cell, lost and in sin, believing the lie or whatever. And, and one day Jesus comes along and the door swings open. And he says, you're free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And, and I hesitantly, I'm, it's the only life I've known, so I hesitantly kind of peek out. And I'd like to be free. I'd like to be outside my little cage. But I look out and it looks clear. And so I step out. And just as I'm drawing my first few breaths of freedom... The enemy smacks me with his first lie. (coughs) Who are you? 
to be free. And I go, ah! and I run back in and I slam the gate. Because I don't believe that I can be free. And he wants to make sure by his scaring tactics, by his lying deceptions, that I never get out of that box. Well, say it with me. I'm out. And I'm staying out. If Jesus set me free, then I am free. Now I need to realize it. Now I need to start dismantling this thicket of lies that is against me. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to do it with the truth of the Word of God. I'm going to agree with what he said. Look at Matthew chapter 4. You don't have to turn there. Let's just rehearse it. Jesus, after he's baptized, Spirit descends upon him. Voice from heaven says, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Next assignment for the very Son of God. Led away by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, Come on, Jesus. Put your arm in mine. We're going out to the wilderness. Takes him out of the wilderness for 40 days of fasting. He's a man and he's God. Fasting is fasting for anybody. 40 days, 40 nights, nothing to eat. And then the tempter comes. Hey, you know, we could make some bread out of these rocks, probably. What does Jesus say? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And two more times, Jesus defeats the tempter, Satan. This is no demon. This is the first man. The first created fallen angel. This is the devil himself. The devil didn't send them some assigned demon to go deal with Jesus. He came himself. And everything was at stake. And Jesus, three times against three temptations, says to him, The Word says, God says, I'm agreeing with the Father. And he defeats him. Now, you and I have a foundation to work from. I can't beat the devil up. He's a supernatural, 24-7, 365, alive being that is supernatural. Above the natural. I don't have what it takes to box this guy into a corner. I better tuck myself into the Lord Jesus Christ and into His Word and take the same avenues that Jesus took. Jesus didn't try and box him down. Jesus didn't try and call in angels against him. He just lifted up the Word. and said, I know the antidote for these lies that are coming today, these temptations. The Word of God will defeat my enemy. Put the sword of the Spirit in your mouth where it is for Jesus and begin to speak truth and take your victories. The cunning of the devil, the Bible calls it craftiness in the Greek, means that it's versatile cleverness, astute knavery. Now, there's a word we wouldn't use much. Sophisticated cunning, unscrupulous conduct, evil treachery, deceptive scheming, arrogant shrewdness, and sly arrogance. It's only used five times in the New Testament, and every time it's used about the devil. Mm-mm-mm. Now, Revelation chapter 12. We've been here recently too, verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil 
and Satan, that serpent of old. This is the same serpent as in the Genesis 3, right? God's putting his name on it. The serpent that deceived with this clever, cunning, craftiness and evil intent. The devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. You know, isn't the world in a mess? Generally speaking, it's just in a mess. And, and, and we keep trying to fix it. Men keep trying to fix it. And it seems like the more they put their tools on it, the worse it gets. Why? Because there's a deception going on about what the problems are. We think they're economic. We think they're this and that. And they're disease. I mean, we got problems on every hand, don't we, all over the world. And, and they're real, and I'm not discounting them. But behind this stuff is this constant deception of where the problem lies. And the, the problem lies is in how we see things. I mean, I'm not creating the problem by the way I see things. That the issue of not being able to repair things is by not seeing it correctly. How can you fix what you don't understand? And we put men and women in charge of things to fix things, and they don't understand the very basic issue of there is a God. And man is ultimately sinful. And without grace and mercy, he will never be redeemed. He'll never be purchased back and be part of the family of God. And he will always act poorly. He won't get better on his own. It's going to get worse. And he will be greedy and want things for himself and create scenarios where he hurts others and takes things and kills and steals and destroys. And oh my, who just showed up? The serpent who's behind it all saying, I am at war with God himself and I'll use any of you that will allow yourselves to be used to defeat him and to mar his image because I'm going to win in the end. See, he's been lying so long he actually believes his own lies. Because as we say, I read the back of the book. And we win. He does not win in the end. And he is not going to be saved. Okay, that's a doctrinal issue. So, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. How? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they didn't love their lives to the death. The kingdom of our God has come. And the power of his Christ. His Messiah. His anointed one. Has come. And the accuser is cast down. And all his thickets are dismantled. How? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony in agreement with this word. This is our only hope. Our only hope is in Christ and what He has done and in our living in agreement with this word and putting it into our mouth and saying it. Saying it. I have homework. You know, when the teacher gives homework, it's not for them, right? <laughs> uh, first, I want to do this. I want to invite all the cell leaders to come and uh, take as many of these as you need for your, for your lighthouse this week, okay? As many copies as you need and leave the rest. If you'd just come and maybe I can put them here, put them in a couple of stacks here. Uh, just 
kind of count how many you need for your for your lighthouses this week to be able to hand out to everybody that's there. And when they're done, we'll hand out the rest to those of you who may not be in one of our lighthouses as yet. And I certainly want to encourage you to get into one because this week ought to be really good in a lighthouse with this kind of material. Um, well, if they take them all, that means you'll have to go to one of their lighthouses this week, which wouldn't, wouldn't hurt you, I'm sure. You know, as they're doing that, I would give you the rest of the picture by room. I told you that on this wall was this thicket that I drew and, I, and those scriptures I drew over it to begin to dismantle it by the sword of the Spirit. Yes, please. She's in the nursery? Thank you. What I didn't tell you is I, I might have told you I cut the board in half. I have it on two walls. Now this other wall I've begun to attack with my trusty marker pen. And I'm writing. I'm not done. I've got it about half filled up. In the middle of it, I've put Isaiah 55:11. I wrote it out. His word won't return void. And all around it, I'm writing other passages of Scripture. Let me give you a few of them. And, uh, oh my goodness. Let's see how we can do this. Uh, yes, she did just now. Thank you. Oh, we may be all right. How many of... Uh, can I borrow you, Matthew? You're a good man. Um, how many of you are not going to be in one of our lighthouses this week and could use a copy of that? Would you signal to Matthew and have him give you a copy of that? <coughs> on this other wall, as he's doing that, are... Are scriptures like 1 John 4 4? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. On these uh, Revelation, or Romans chapter 8, um, if I had room on the whiteboard, I'd write the whole chapter, but you know, verse 11 says, If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, then he'll quicken my mortal body. And so I know that when affliction comes to my body, and the devil says, you're never going to get healed. And I said, wait a minute, the Spirit of God lives inside of me. And that Spirit was able to raise Jesus from the dead. My, my little body's got no power greater than that. So Jesus can heal me. He can bring life to my body. I can read Isaiah 53. I think I put that up there. Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, that by his stripes I was healed. In Isaiah it says, by his stripes, the stripes that Jesus took in his back before his crucifixion, by his stripes... You are healed, it says Isaiah 53. But in First Peter chapter 2, Peter writes it this way, By his stripes you were healed. You know, these verses are looking both directions to the cross. See? <laughs> Old Testament pointing forward to when it would happen. New Testament, Peter's writing backward to the cross and saying, Those stripes, we agree, old and new, by those stripes we're healed. I'm going to apply that passage to the thicket that says I can't be healed. These, uh, I know some of you don't have these. If you're in a cell group, you'll get them this week. But, and these are available on our website as well, these two pages. You can print them out if you'd like. I'll show you how to just get in there, find the pull-down for lighthouses, go to the bottom where it says Keeper, log in, click on that, and you'll find scriptures for who you are in Christ. You can click on that. It'll pull up a PDF file, and you can print that. 
two pages. One says, since I am in Christ, by the grace of God, I. And then this whole page is filled with sentences for you. <coughs> What's the antidote to deception? Truth. I can begin to say these things. I need to put the sword in my heart. I need to put it in my mouth. Since I am in Christ, by the grace of God, I have been justified, completely forgiven and made righteous. I have died with Christ and died to the power of sins that rule over my life. I am free forever from condemnation. And on the left-hand side is all the scripture references. We're not making this stuff up. This is the Bible. Since I am in Christ by the grace of God, I have been placed into Christ by God's doing. I have received the Spirit of God into my life that I might know the things freely given to me by God. I have been given the mind of Christ. I have been bought with a price. I am not my own. I belong to God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God in Christ. I have been given the Holy Spirit as a pledge. No longer do I live for myself since I have died, but I, I live for Him. That is Christ. I've been made righteous. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I've been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before Him. You know, you start saying this stuff out loud at your house, and I I, I think pretty carefully demons will flee. They don't like worship, and they don't like the Word in the mouth of a believer. The other passage, the other sheet, who am I? And all scriptures listed, I'm the salt of the earth, I'm the light of the world, I'm a child of God, I'm part of the true vine. You know, John 15, I'm, I'm Christ's friend, I'm chosen and appointed by Christ to, hear, to bear his fruit. I'm a slave of righteousness, I'm enslaved to God, I'm a son or daughter of God, God is spiritually my father. I'm a joint heir with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. I'm assured that all things work together for good, I'm free from any condemning charges against me. And it continues. I am a child of God, and I will resemble Christ when he returns. I am born of God, the evil one, the devil, cannot touch me. <laughs> First John 5.18 We need to put on the armor. We need the antidote for the thicket. How many of you might just by a little waving of your hand would say, you know, I've noticed that thicket in my way recently. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, yeah, so we're going mean, to, you know, you guys know Gary Bonnie Schaefer, a lot of you know. Gary's an impressive guy, man. He can make stuff out of nothing. I mean, I think he taught MacGyver how to make stuff. One of the things Gary made, because he's got a good chunk of property, was a weed eater. Now, that, Imagine this, guys. You know, we have problems with the other ones. It tears up our pants and our socks and all that. You know, you got a picture of wrestling that little thing with the wire on the end of it. Gary had some heavy-duty stuff he wanted to take out, so he welded <coughs> a chainsaw chain onto the bottom of his. <laughs> don't, don't get in the way of that puppy. I say, I say we take the Word of God and think of it like Gary's weed eater. And we tear, tear into that thicket and just rip it up. Now it's up to you and I. And it's up to us to be friends together. That's why I'm, I'm excited about the lighthouses this week. And I do want to encourage you, if you've been coming here for a while, on the back of the bulletin there are a list of these folks that just came up and got these sheets. Get into one of those 
community groups and begin to sharpen each other. It's hard doing it yourself. You get beat up a lot on your own. You know, the Bible says that two can walk together when they're agreed. And uh, the threefold cord is not easily broken. We need each other. And as much as we might not want each other, you know, we need each other. And we were just listening this week about a book, the title of it was uh, the, the American Male or something like that. It was written a few years back. And the, after uh, hundreds of studies, it said that 95% of men in America have no close friend. They don't have one close friend that they would call if they just had a, a, a falling out with their wife and needed to talk to somebody. They, wouldn't, they don't have anybody that's close enough to them that they could trust with that kind of information to help them. Or if they needed $100. To, to you know, I got a bill that's got to be paid like right now, and I I'm sorry to call, but you're my friend. Would you give me a hundred bucks, knowing that they would do it if they had it? Ninety-five out of a hundred of us. Something wrong with that picture, boys. Amen. We we're not the stalwart. I could do it myself. We need to be vulnerable enough. I'm not asking you to be a sissy. Amen. I'm saying we need to be vulnerable enough to be honest and say I'm struggling. And I'm, my mind's clouded with this thicket. Can you start telling me some of the scriptures I need to be talking about here? And I'm excited about this week in the lighthouses to be able to take these home and uh, challenge one another, memorize a few things off here. Say, listen, I need you to come back next week to the lighthouse. What are you struggling with? Okay, let's find one of these that fits your deal and let's apply it. I mean, if we whacked on your arm and had a big cut there, we'd, put, we'd find something to put on it to fix it, right? Well, if your mind is in trouble, what do you put on? You need to patch a little of the Word of God on there like a bandage, wear it for a week and get healed. Okay? Thank you for listening this morning. As I said, it was a little different. Uh, you know, not a page of notes. It's all ears. I'll work real hard to get them up for you and you have something to fight with. But what I'd love you to see is my whiteboard on this wall. The thicket on that is in trouble. What do you put on? You need to patch a little of the Word of God on there like a bandage. Wear it for a week and get healed. Okay? Thank you for listening this morning. As I said, it was a little different. Uh, you know, not a page of notes. It's all ears. I'll work real hard to get them up for you and you have something to fight with. But what I'd love you to see is my whiteboard on this wall. The thicket on that one with the scriptures over the top says this sword of the Spirit's going to tear this thing up. And over here I'm going to start writing those passages and we've written out an awful lot of them for you right here that you can put on your whiteboard of your mind and say this is my weapon against the thicket of lies that is formed against me. I'm going to get through my thicket and I'm going to find the promise on the other side. I'm no longer going to let the devil blockade me out of coming into what God has for me. All right? Okay? Thanks for smiling. That's good. I like that. That helps me a lot. Okay. Father, this morning, we are dependent upon you. We're just, we're human, but we are not defeated. We are weak. We may be cast down, but we're not going to stay there. Your word says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he'll still get up again. And the enemy has come to us, Father. You've revealed it to us with this thicket of lies. Help us now to begin immediately to apply truth and to take the sword of the Spirit into our mouth and to begin declaring your truth over these lies that have come against us. Help us to... We may be cast down, but we're not going to stay there. Your word says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he'll still get up again. 
And the enemy has come to us, Father. You've revealed it to us with this thicket of lies. Help us now to begin. In times, he'll still get up again. And the enemy has come to us, Father. You've revealed it to us with this thicket of lies. Help us now to begin immediately to apply truth and to take the sword of the Spirit into our mouth and to begin declaring your truth over these lies that have come against us. Help us to break through the age-old lies that may have come upon us from our youth uh, where somebody said something and it's stuck like a fiery dart in our mind. It tries now, even by the help of Satan, to convince us that we'll never achieve or we'll never know or we'll never be or whatever they said to us. Help us to pull that thing out and quench it with the shield of faith and then give us an active sword of the Spirit in our mouth to declare the truth that we've been made righteous in you, that you love us, You've given yourself to redeem us and buy us back and we belong to you and you are making us alive together with you today. And we don't have to be defeated because of your name and your blood. Amen. Amen. I just want to preach one more time. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I just want to get this out here. Romans chapter 8. Where it says, what can separate us from the love of God? You know, it just goes through the list. Pretty much it comes up with nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not even me can separate myself from the love of God. I can run from Him and He's not going to leave me or forsake me. He's going to chase me down like we call it the old hound dog of heaven. You know, right after me. Yet it, it says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. More than conquerors. Jesus is the conqueror. And because he conquered, he says for you and I, we can be more than conquerors. We're never going to be more than Jesus. But in conquering, we can be Hooper Nikao. We can be more than conquerors. Can I tell you my last story for the day? Some of you have heard it, but I'll I'll risk it one more time. You know, the older you get, tell the same stories over and over. (laughs) Because you forgot them. The boxers step into the ring. Remember that? And they're fighting away. And the purse is how much these days? What's the purse for a boxing match? Ten million or something crazy like that. And they're slugging it out. And after it's all over, you know, the blood's running, the eyes are swollen shut, and they put the guy's arm in the air, and they declare him the conqueror. He's the winner. And people flood into the ring and they jump the ropes and they're pressing and the guys with the microphones are in there trying to talk to this guy who can't talk because the bubbles all messed up. And it sounds like Rocky. And, and uh, what we don't see is this trim, frail little gal that slides through the ropes and walks over as he's throwing that big belt over his shoulder. And she reaches in through the crowd and she she just lifts that little envelope out of his hand and walks out of the ring. No muss, no fuss. You don't even hardly see her. You'll be watching for her next time, though. And as she walks off, you say, trim, frail little gal that slides through. She just lifts that little envelope out of his hand and walks out of the ring. No muss, no fuss. You don't even hardly see her. You'll be watching for her next time, though. And as she walks off, you say, hmm, I wonder who that is. Well, that's his wife. 
And in that envelope is the $10 million.